Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. So in week number one, last uh, Pastor Alex, he, he kind of shared on the first 11 verses of chapter one in Habakkuk. And pretty much just to give you a quick synopsis of that is Habakkuk complains to God about the people of Judah. And he asks, why is there so much injustice in the world? It sounds like 2021 right now. <laughs> like, why, is there, why are people so evil? Are you not gonna do anything about this? But here's the thing about when we ask, when we ask questions to God, we gotta be prepared to hear an answer that maybe we're not gonna like. So God responds to me, he says, well, guess what? I am going to do something. I'm going to raise up the Babylonian empire. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans and they're going to punish you guys. And of course, Habakkuk didn't like that. Habakkuk thought, wait, 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 you're going to, you're going to, you're going to do what? You're going to use evil. See, Pastor Alex, he makes a point last week where he says that God does not cause evil, but he will use it. See, he won't, he won't cause the bad things that happen in our lives or, or bad circumstances, but he will use it for a bigger reason, and we have to trust that he's sovereign. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Habakkuk chapter one, and we're gonna continue on with this chapter and go a little bit into chapter two. And if you don't have your Bible, that's perfectly fine. It's gonna come up on the big screen over here. But in Habakkuk chapter one, we're gonna pick up in verse number 12. And at least in my Bible, the heading is Habakkuk's second complaint. So like, I think that kind of lets us know this isn't just, uh, this isn't just him just asking, how's, how's the weather? Like, he is complaining to God. So in verse 12, it says, Habakkuk talking to God, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them with his dragnet, I mean with his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incest to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest foods. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? So basically, he's asking God, God, you're so good. Then why are you allowing evil to punish your people who aren't as bad as these evil people? And then goes on to even, I guess, point the finger at at the Babylonians and say, don't you see how evil they are? They worship the things that they create. They don't worship you. But now as we trickle into chapter two, this is what still Habakkuk has to say. He says, well, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Other translations say the watchtower. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am going to give to this complaint. But then now, now that Habakkuk shared his heart and shared his grievances, now let's hear what God has to say. So in chapter two, verse two, it says the Lord's answer. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not 
delaying. And what I really want us to focus on right now is on, is on verse four. And we're gonna unpack this a little more in a moment, but let's, if you have your Bibles, like underline this, highlight this, whatever it takes. God says, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Other translations say the righteous person will live by his faith. The just will live by his faith. All we need is a little bit of faith. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna unpack all this. We're gonna, there's definitely a lot to, that we can gather from these, uh, I believe it's about nine verses that we just read. And if you are writing notes, really the topic of, of my message here, and it's a title I came up with, is called Unfair Yet Faithful. Unfair Yet Faithful, because God in our eyes can sometimes seem unfair, but here's the thing, he's always faithful. But before we unpack this, let's go ahead and let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes and let's ask God to bless this time. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for your goodness and grace. Lord, we thank you for just this privilege we have to gather here. God, I pray that, that Lord, that although it be my voice, may it be your words. God, may you use whatever it is that, that's about to be shared, God, for your glory, God. May it land however it needs to land. May you break it up into a thousand pieces and land on every single heart under the sound of my voice, Jesus. God, may we not leave here the same, God. May we leave out of here with faith. May we leave out of here edified, Jesus. And Lord, may we just have a deeper revelation of your love and how good you are. So Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. So uh, I am the youngest of four children. So I have three siblings. I have one older brother and two older sisters. And in our household, it was my oldest sister and my brother that we were raised together. It was the three of us in one household and our parents. And here's one thing that uh, as I was preparing for this message, I actually got on a phone call with my oldest sister and I, and I had to pick her brain on this. Um, there was definitely different standards on how we were raised, right? So here, like I just mentioned, I'm the youngest. So I'm the baby of the family. I got the baby privileges and it's amazing. I know that I'm my grandmother's favorite and that's, and that's already, that's, there's no debate about that. But my sister is the first. And not only is she the first, she's the first girl. So my sister, her name is Crystal. You know, another thing is she's the favorite. And that's okay. I've accepted that. As I just mentioned, I'm my grandmother's favorite. And I hope that's on record on YouTube and it's going to go on for forever. So take that. Either way, um, as I mentioned, Crystal was the first. And the thing is, when, it, when you're the first child, there's a little bit of added pressure onto you. I, I, like I mentioned, I picked her brain. I got her perspective on this. And she even agreed there was different standards in how we were raised. For example, when it came to school, anything less than an A, Crystal, it's, it's unacceptable. You cannot get a B. You can't get a C. Like, you're going to get grounded if you get anything under an A because you, had, you were the star child. You had to be number one. But when it came to me and my brother, I mean, we can squeeze in the sea every now and then and we were okay. When it even came to the things we were able to listen to or watch, there was times where maybe there was a movie on and we, my parents made sure Crystal did not see a specific scene. Whereas with me and my brother, I'm not going to say it was open game, but, you know, it, let's just say they weren't covering our eyes. Right? So those are like the cons of being the first child and her being the first girl. But now let's talk about the benefits. We got to talk about the benefits, right? We can't just look at the, we have to look at the pros now. So when it came to how we were disciplined and how we were punished, it was definitely not the same. So here's the thing with our parents. They, they weren't the type of parents that, 
uh, whenever we were out in public and say we got rowdy or we got, we got, basically we got in trouble. Maybe we were at my aunt's house and we did a wrestling move and we broke somebody's bed, like things like that, real life scenarios. And um, in, those, in those instances, our parents would never like pull us to the side, take us in a room and give us a stern talking to, that's just not how they operated. What they did was a little more physical and a little more cerebral. So what I mean by that is whenever we were misbehaving, they, I guess my parents had this down to a T, they tag teamed on this. If say we were misbehaving, we got loud, my mom would immediately call our attention. She would say, hey. And the moment she said, hey, we already knew, don't look at her, look at our dad. And here's the thing about my dad. My, dad was, my dad's a heavy, heavy set guy who's five feet, nine inches, which, you know, back then when I was little, I thought he was a giant. And he had a very, very strong voice, very deep bassy voice. Like my dad was a scary dude. And the thing is with my dad is when we were in trouble, he would give us what, what we like to call the death stare. So the death stare was not, it was, it was super subtle, super subtle. So that no one else would know except for us. And I'm going to show it to you guys. But let me tell you, when I, when I, when my siblings saw this, we knew something bad was going to happen. So my mom would call our attention. Hey, we looked to our dad and he'll just do this. Ready? This. Just that, just nothing, nothing more, just, and let me tell you, fear got into my heart. <laughs> I knew what fear, I know what the fear of the Lord is because of that death stare. Immediately, we see my dad, dude, oh man, we already know what's going to happen. And what my parents would do, like say for example, if we got in trouble on a Sunday night, again, the death stare happened. And on our car ride home, they would look to us and say, hey, you know what you did was wrong. So tomorrow night at 8 p.m., you have an appointment with your father. And, I, and man, you know what it is to go through school on a Monday. You have the best day ever. You went to PE class. You played kickball. You did really good in kickball. In the back of your head, it's like, man, 8 p.m. is going to come. This is not going to be good. It's not going to be fair. But mind you, all of us are in trouble. But when 8 p.m. came, me and my brother, we had an appointment with my dad's belt. And let me tell you, I still have that belt to this day. What I'm going to do with it, who knows? Just know I still got it. But we would have the appointment, but then Crystal would just get the, hey, you, could, you know better. She would just get the talk to. And man, that's not fair. You're just as bad as us. Why are you, why are you not meeting the belt? Why, why are you not getting punished the same? And while, yeah, it, it, I was younger at the time, and it's funny, as, we were, as me and her were talking about these scenarios, it got me to thinking, I remember there being times where I would just think, like, do our parents really even care about me and my brother? Like, there's, we're out here meeting a leather belt. Well, she's just getting a talking to. Crystal's getting treated this way, but we're getting treated this way. I would go on to even think, do my parents even know what they're doing? And not to be rebellious, always kids, trust your parents. But, and, I, and my parents were the best parents in the world. I couldn't ask for a better dad. I couldn't ask for a better mom. My mom, like, she would literally do everything for her kids, right? My mom is phenomenal. But again, those were thoughts that would go through my mind. And while, yeah, this is a lighthearted illustration, it got us all giggling. The reality is that same way of thinking can creep into, into how we see God. See, we can go ahead and we can question God. We can question him, God, um, why, are, why are good things happening to bad people? And why are bad things happening to good people? Do you even care? You say you're good, but then why did I have to lose my parent to COVID? You say you're good. You say you're going to provide, but why did I just lose my job? You say you're a God that's just and that you, you have your promises for your people. I file my taxes correctly. I don't cheat on my taxes. I don't add an extra dependent so I can get an extra $3,000. But yet I always find myself in debt. 
These are the questions that we can ask. And the problem with that way of thinking is that, and this is really the big problem of, of what I see is going on with Habakkuk as he questions God. And that's when we lose trust in God's character, we lose trust in his sovereignty. When we lose trust in God's character, when we go on to question God, are you really good? Are you not from everlasting? We go on to question his sovereignty. And that can happen very easily in life when, again, things just don't seem fair. When things don't seem to be going our way, but yet we can look, to, we can look over our shoulder and see our neighbor who we know for a fact aren't doing things in a, in a right way, at least according to our standards, right? But yet they're thriving, they're prospering. Everything in life seems to be going great for them. But yet here we are struggling, we're broken, our marriage is failing, our kids are, are, are rebellious, all these different things that can, that can be happening. And we go on to question God, God, do you even... Do you, do you even care? Are you even there? Why? Why does evil appear to go unchecked by a just God? Those were the questions that Habakkuk was, was asking. But that's why I think it's so important that we focus on God's response. Because what can happen is when we ask those questions, we ask those questions from a bias, from our own bias. And our bias is created by our own situation, by our own circumstances, by our own history. Whereas God, who is all-knowing, all, almighty, he, he knows the beginning from the end. He is the Alpha and Omega. We have, to under, we have to trust him at his word. So let's go back to the text real quick. Let's go back to Habakkuk chapter 2. And picking up in verse 3 where it says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And then again, that, that, that one verse I really want us to highlight here, verse 4. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. See, just in those two verses from God's response, we can actually point out two key things that we need to always remember. And the first thing is that, one, what God says, what he says will come, it will come to pass. Even though it may not happen immediately, or at least in our mind, what we would consider quick enough, it will come to pass. And the second thing is that he will preserve those who have faith in him. That line is just, that line is really the highlight of this entire book, of this entire teaching, of this, of Habakkuk in itself is, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. You know, that phrase, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness, is actually what would awaken Martin Luther and what sparked the Protestant Reformation. It's because of, it's because of that line, we, that truth was declared that it is not by works, but it is by grace through faith that you are saved. It is by his righteousness, it is by his faith that God credited righteousness to Abraham. See, that phrase that the righteous will live by faith is actually mentioned all throughout the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 1 and in Galatians chapter 3 and the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10, 38, that the righteous will live by his faithfulness. And that's the thing, God honors faith. God honors faith. And actually in Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. He honors faith. But let's go back to that phrase where it says the righteous will live by their, their faithfulness, by their faith. So just, that, just those words right there, live by, that already indicates that it's a continual occurrence. It's a pattern. See, really the whole point of my message and really what I want us to get from all of this is that faith is not a one-time act, but it's a way of life. 
faith is not a one-time thing. Yeah, one day you can have faith, but guess what? You're going to need faith tomorrow. You're going to need faith three months from now. You're going to need faith in different stages in your life. And it's not just a one-time occurrence. Yes, that one-time occurrence will lead to our salvation when we declare with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. But it's a way of life. It's a pattern that we need to instill in our lifestyle. It's not just something that we just, we just say, okay, I got faith. But it's, it's really how we live. It's how we tackle life scenarios. It's how we persevere through the hard times, through the questions, through the uncertainty in life. But here's the thing about faith. I feel like it's not really talked about much in the sense of like, what is faith? It's very easy to say, hey, you just got to have faith. I, lo- I love those, those cookie cutter type of answers where I can talk to, someone, to somebody and, and ask them, you know, tell them about everything that's happening. They'll say, hey, you just got to have faith, brother. Okay, that's great. But what is faith? <laughs> and how does one do this faith? Those are questions that I'm sure a lot of us can have. And, and I can speak on behalf of myself where I've asked that question multiple times. So just to even share what is faith, let's define faith right here, right now, so, that, so we can continue moving forward. So I looked up different definitions, looked up different biblical definitions, looked up different uh, pastors at what they shared on the topic of faith. Uh, I actually love what Pastor Brian Houston, he, he said, faith is an acronym, and the acronym is forsaking all, I trust him. That sounds cool. Like, I want to put that on a t-shirt and like on a hat. That sounds amazing, right? But the definition of faith, in a, you know, according to Google, is that complete trust and or confidence in someone or something. So biblical faith is complete trust and confidence in God. So essentially, faith is summed up by the action of trust. Trusting God for his reliability. Trusting God for him to to give you truth. Trusting God for, for his abilities, for his power, for his strength, for his sovereignty. Faith, in essence, is trusting God. And again, faith is not a one-time act. It's not just one time you got to trust him. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we have to continually do. That when the times are good, it's easy to trust them. But when times are hard, it's a little more difficult. And it's obviously more said than done. But we have to trust God. We need to have faith in him. Because why? Because the righteous will live by his faithfulness. So how do we live by faith? How does one do this? So three different scenarios and three different areas in our lives that we can find, or times in our life where we can find ourselves in, that we need to have faith, I want to highlight right now, and that we can, we can actually pick them out from the verses that we just read. So the first one is that we need to trust in uncertainty. We need to trust in uncertainty. See, here's the thing. Habakkuk, he had questions. Boy, did he have questions. Right, and some of them, some of them, I'm not gonna lie. When I read it, I read it how I would share it, which is a little sarcastic, you know. Like when he says, "God, are you not from everlasting?" Like I would, you know, it's a very sarcastic way to ask. But that's just, that's just how I understand how he's asking these questions. And while Habakkuk was, I'm sure he was very firm in who God was. At the same time, he wasn't sure about a few things. So let's go back to the text in in Habakkuk one verses twelve, and we're gonna read twelve and thirteen. It says, "Lord, are you not from everlasting?" My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So he's declaring, God, I know who you are. You're mighty. You're pure. You're, you're good. You're, you say you're holy. But then he goes on to ask, why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk was uncertain about why God was doing what he was doing. 
But you know, it's funny when I was studying and as I was preparing this and I, heard, and I wrote the word uncertainty, it just got me thinking about every single commercial that came out last year in 2020. And these unprecedented and, and, and uncertain times, if I hear that one more time, I promise you, I'm probably gonna like break my TV. But that was everywhere because I'm telling you, it was literally from every commercial, from like a healthcare commercial all the way to like crafts cheese. Like it was, that was the phrase of the year, unprecedented and uncertain times. Every single speech, every single news report, everyone clung onto that phrase because we all had questions. What was going to happen? What is this new normal? What's going to happen with coronavirus? Like what, what, what should we expect? Are we all going to work from home moving forward? Are we going to live our lives on Zoom? Everyone had questions. We were all uncertain. We weren't sure. Even when we got into a good groove of our life after like readjusting after like March and maybe up until May of last year, when out of nowhere, everything started going crazy towards the summer. The, the reality is that we all had questions. We were all uncertain. And then we even, it's very easy for us to even step into those times of uncertainty to then still question God. Like, God, why are you allowing this? I think that the main question is why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? But the Bible tells us in Matthew 5 that, that the, the God, it rains on the just and the unjust. The sun rises and falls on everyone. It's just, we won't know the timing, but God does. And that's why we need to have trust and uncertainty. And the thing is, is that these times are going to cause us to doubt. It's like when you're, when you're, when you're unsure of what's going to happen, it's very easy to doubt. We can get, we can fall into that, into that mindset. And there's nothing wrong with doubt. There's nothing wrong with doubt because it should lead us into a deeper revelation of who God is, because we're going to have those questions answered. But the problem and what I've, what I've come to notice and what really, for me, it kind of like gets me boiling is that this new idea of deconstruction of your faith which essentially is just you breaking down what faith is and asking all the, like literally questioning everything about your faith. However, we're not questioning based off of what God's word says. We're basically, we're questioning it based off of our, our own biases, based off of what political climate that we're in and how the world sees it should be. Really is God just if he doesn't allow X, Y, Z? And people fall into this trap of deconstruction and that's a very dangerous role to go into. But again, when we're in uncertain times, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. That's why I love this book because it shows that it's okay to approach God with questions. It's okay to approach God with questions because I think when, when we ask God those questions and we truly are like, the questioning is the wrestling, right? But we embrace his answer when we say, you know what, God, even though I'm going to ask these questions, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to believe you at your word. That just leads us to a deeper deeper intimacy, a deeper trust of him. And the reality is that the presence of doubt does not mean a lack of trust. The presence of doubt does not mean a lack of trust. You know, another area that we, that we need to examine, another area that we need to make sure that if we're going to live a life of faith and that we need, to, we need to embody trust, we need to continue to press on. And that's the second area, which is we need to trust in the watching. We need to trust in the watching. The watching being when things are right in front of your face, when it's all going down, when you're in the thick of it, when you're right in the middle of whatever hardship you may be going through, maybe it's a family member that just died, maybe it's a family member that's battling cancer, that's, that, that hasn't been able to recover from COVID. Maybe it's you, you just lost your job and guess what? It's already, the, it's already the seventh of the month and you still haven't paid your rent and you're still trying to figure out how you're gonna get that money. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's you thought you had all these dreams for your family and you, you had all these ambitions to, to raise your family at godly way, but yet your kids want nothing to do with the church. You had this dream for your family that you're going to live the rest of your life with your spouse, but yet they just filed for divorce and you're in the middle of it. We need to trust him in the watching. See, going back to the text, he had backup. He knew, he knew what was to come from Babylon. That's why he was concerned. See, Habakkuk had, had seen, he, knew, he heard all the stories and he knew about Babylon. He knew how great their, their army was. He, know how, he, he knew how they would mercilessly slaughter nations. And then he knew that was going to come to his people. He was in the middle of it. And he saw it also. Going back to the text, we'll pick up in verse 14 where it says, You have made people like fish in the sea, like sea creatures who have no ruler. God, like, are, you're making us like insignificant. We're supposed to be your people. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with his hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incest to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? He was in the middle of it. He saw how the Babylonians were. He saw how they would abuse people. He saw that how they would just overtake nations. But we need to have trust in the watching. We need to have trust even where we're in the middle of it all. When, when, you're, when you still haven't recovered from a sickness, when you haven't been able to actually get that job you've been waiting on, when you, when you just lost it, when you haven't been able to pay your bills, you have to trust God in the watching because he is sovereign. Remember, if we question his character, we question his sovereignty, but we already know his character is good. God is faithful. He may seem unfair, but he is faithful. So we need to trust in the watching. See, everyone, anyone, anyone here not from Florida, anyone here like not like from Miami, because in Miami we deal a lot with hurricanes, right? So if you're familiar with a hurricane, then you know how the news reporters, they, they, they would report it. And in the hurricane, there's different areas that are a little more dangerous than others. So there's the outer bands, which is you just get a lot of wind. You don't get the full storm, but you get some of the brunt of the storm. And a lot of us, we can be in the outer bands. We can just, just feel a little bit, but it's not necessarily the, like the real thing. But the most dangerous part of the storm is in the eye of the storm because that's where everything is going down. See, a lot of us, we're in the eye of the storm right now. A lot of, a lot of us, we're probably in the middle of the worst storm of our life. But you need to trust in the watching because he's faithful, because he's good, and it may not seem fair, but again, he is faithful. Third area... third area that we need to we need to exercise our faith is we need to trust in the waiting I hate waiting <laughs> I'll make that very clear right now like when me and my wife we heat up food she uses the the air fryer or she'll use like a little oven I'm a microwave guy you know I just hate waiting I probably shave off a year off of my life every time I use it but guess what I hate waiting that's just it's not in my nature I'm getting better at it but we need to trust God in the waiting. See, even after airing out all of his grievances, see Habakkuk, he made it clear that he was gonna put himself in a posture to hear from God, to wait for God. So let's go back to the text because I wanna make sure this is all rooted in God's word. So back to the text, Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm going to give to his complaint. So 
when when Habakkuk mentions the watchtower, really like how how it's translated in, in other in other versions of the Bible, it's actually referencing the watchtower that's mentioned in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel's another another prophet, and it re, and it's actually mentioned in Ezekiel three and in Ezekiel thirty three, and the watchtower was really where the prophets, where the men um, who were going to speak to the people on behalf of God, would wait for an answer from God. They would wait until God is ready to speak to his people. Some of them waited years. Some of them, it was lickety split. It was quick. But here we, here, here's Habakkuk after answer, asking all these questions. Again, wrestling with God, now embracing. And he says, I'm going to wait for an answer from you. And a lot of us, we have to, we have to probably get a little better with that. I know I do. Because <laughs> I, I, I want it now. I want it quick. I'm an Amazon Prime guy. And I get upset when they push it to three days as opposed to the two days. You know what I mean? Like, I hate it. I hate it. I'm a, I'm a, I want to download it right away. I don't want to pre-order. I want it right now type of person. And a lot of us can relate to that. <laughs> well, we don't like waiting. But we got to trust him even in the waiting because yeah, we may not be in the middle of the storm anymore. Maybe the dust has settled. Maybe you're three weeks removed from probably the worst day of your life. Maybe you're a few years removed from the worst day of your life, but yet you still don't understand why. Why me, God? The best thing in those times, we got to believe God at his word. It's one thing to believe a man. It's another thing to believe a pastor. You got to believe God at his word. Because in his word in Romans 8, 28, it says that he will, that we all know that in all things, God will work for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Can we trust that at his word that he says, I'm going to work things all, I'm going to work all things out for the good. We have to trust in the waiting. You know, I was actually debating on sharing this, but I, I really felt that uh, I should. <laughs> but last, last week, about a week and a half ago, February 26th, it actually made 26 years, and I'm sorry, it made 16 years since my father passed away. You know, that, that really tough guy I was talking about earlier that would give me a death stare? My dad passed away when I was 13 years old. And it's been 16 years. And um, some days are easier than others. And thankfully, my relationship with God has really allowed me to find healing in that. But there's still days to this day that 13 year old me is still asking why why did you have to take him well, he was a good man he was the best dad in the world and I would think it's not fair that my sister and my brother got to spend more time with him and I didn't he would take my brother out to work with him sometimes my dad was a locksmith but I was a sick kid at home I barely got to spend time with him it's not fair and still to this day I'm still waiting I'm still waiting on an answer, but I'm going to trust God at his word because I wouldn't be who I am today if maybe he was here. It's because of those experiences that I, I get to stand here in front of you today and, and declare boldly that God is good. And all of that is because faith is not a one-time act, but it's a way of life. And if I can ask if we can all stand to our feet, we're going to close in just a moment. But really, I want to, I want to pray for two groups of people here that maybe you're in here today and, and you've asked those questions. You've asked God, why? Why me? 
Why did this have to happen? Why did that person have to go? Why, why are these people saying so many bad things about me when I've been nothing but good to them? It's not fair. Maybe you're in here today and you struggle with that. You struggle to trust him in uncertainty. You struggle to trust him in the watching. You struggle to trust him in the waiting. What I want to do is I want to pray for you and I'm going to ask if we can all just bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you today and, and you want me to pray for you, you want to be included in this prayer that, that God would remind us of who he is and that our faith will be bolstered and we will remember to trust him in all the circumstances that life will hand us. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up and you can put it right back down. So if you want to be included in that prayer, just put your hand up. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. So Father, we thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for just, for being so good. Lord, while there's times where we may look at our circumstances and think that you're not fair, God, we know you're faithful. And God, for any person under the sound of my voice today, God, that maybe they're struggling with be, with trusting you, Jesus, I pray that, Lord, that you would remind them of who you are. That, God, that you would remind them of whose they are, God. That you would remind them that they are the head and not the tail, Jesus. That, God, that you are for them, you are with them. That, God, that, you, that Jesus, you want nothing but the best for them, Jesus. And that, God, that you would strengthen our ability to trust you, God. As a man who, who asked you, Jesus, heal our disbelief, Jesus. God, may we believe you, God. May we have our faith in you no matter what life may hand us, Jesus. That, Lord, that we would trust you in the uncertainty of life. That, Lord, that we would trust you in the watching as circumstances while we're right in the middle of it. And that, Lord, we would trust you in the waiting. And, Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. And really what I want to do is I want to, I want to really give an invitation to anybody that's here. Maybe you struggle with just the idea of believing God. You, you, you probably, you've heard today's message and, you're, you, and you've been a part of the worship experience and you, you see all these people that are, that are ecstatic for God, but you're, you've never quite been there. You, you've, maybe you can say you don't have a relationship with him. And with eyes still closed and heads still bowed, really what I want to give is a, really there's a moment of concentration, a moment of intimacy, a moment of, that's reverent. And I want to invite you to, to make that decision to have this first act of faith and saying, God, I believe you, Lord, I want, I trust you and I want you to be Lord of my life. See, here's the thing. We've all fallen short of God's, of God's standard. I've sinned, you've sinned. We all have fallen short. Just because I have a mic hooked onto my ear doesn't make me perfect. I'm far from it. But the Bible tells us that even that sin separates us from God, that's the problem. And God is a holy God. He can't be around sin. But he had, he had a salvation plan for every single person who wants to accept it. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he, he came to earth. He lived a, a blameless, sinless life. He fulfilled the standard that we couldn't meet. And then the thing is with, with sin is that the wages of sin is death. So Jesus gave himself up as a sacrifice. The perfect Lamb of God sacrifice. And then all we have to do is declare with our mouth and believe in our hearts that not only did he die for me, but three days later he rose from the dead because to defeat the sting of death and so that we can spend eternity with him. And while eyes still closed and heads still bowed, 
leaders and pastors all praying across the auditorium. Really what I want to do is I want to give somebody an opportunity to make that decision today to accept that free gift of salvation. To step into this new life of faith. And if you feel something tugging at you right now, that's the Holy Spirit calling you right now. And if that's you, I'm going to count to three and you can put your hand up. You can put it right back down. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you to the front. I just want to see who I'm praying for. So while eyes still closed and heads still bowed, if that's you and you want to make that decision, on the count of three, put your hand right up. One, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same again. Three, if that's you, put your hand right up. Amen. 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 I see you in the back. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. So while eyes still closed and heads still bowed, really what I want to do right now, if you made that decision today, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not a prayer to a pastor. It's not a prayer to a church. It's a prayer to God. I just want to facilitate this first one for you, and it's going to be as easy as possible. It's a repeat-after-me prayer. And because we're a family, the entire church, we're going to get alongside of you, and we're all going to say it together. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected come into my heart be my Lord and be my Savior from today on I am forgiven I am healed and I will follow you all the days of my life Lord I love you and I thank you and it's in Jesus name come on all God's people said amen come on church can we give a round of applause for every single person that made that decision today Congratulations to every single one of you. I want to tell you this. Life may not be perfect moving forward, but now you have the perfect one with you. And now you have someone alongside of you that you can trust in every area of your life. So congratulations. And if you made that decision, actually, we want to give you a free gift. It's this free Bible. It's super free. It is a free 99 our gift from us to you. As soon as you walk out of the building, you're going to see a tent with people waving this Bible. Don't leave out of here without one. It, don't worry, we're going to be social distance. We really just want to congratulate you and get this in your hands. And actually, if you're watching online and you made that decision, you can go ahead and text the word DECIDED to 33222. We've been sending out Bibles throughout the entire pandemic. Really, what's going to happen, you're going to receive an automatic reply to a form. And the whole point of that is so that we can ship this Bible out to you. So please don't, don't leave out of here without this. You may have a Bible at home or the app, but this you don't have this one. It has notes. So make sure you go ahead and get that. Thank you so much, Jersey. But I really hope that this message blessed you all. And I really hope that now as we continue to press into the, 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 these new experiences of life, that we can trust Him in the uncertainty, trust Him in the watching, and trust Him in the waiting. But, but church, I love you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate everything that God has done. We're going to leave out of here throwing a party. So before we go ahead and step into worship, let me pray for your week. And let's enjoy the rest of our day. So Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that you bless them, bless their week, God. May you go before us and behind us, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.